Good morning, everyone. This is the Machination Log for March 2nd, 2017. Nicole. David. Ryan. Go for launch. We've got some Armageddon to take care of here. Criterion Collection favorite Armageddon. (laughs) Jerry Bruckheimer's, J.J. Abrams, but most especially Michael Bay's Armageddon. Uh, this is my guilty pleasure pick. This is David Paddock, by the way. I don't know that I've said my name on this podcast in months. Uh, <laughs> glad you're all here. Uh, this is the movie crew review where we pick only the finest <laughs> films to go back. You know, we we got to bring the people back to what makes film special because for the last many years, film has been so not special. Yeah, I don't even know what comes out anymore. Like, apparently Get Out was rad, but that is... That yeah, is just, yeah. it's slotted into this like yeah, there timeline. Was, there was of, 10 movies, I guess, nominated for Academy Awards last week. I hadn't heard of a single one of them. It's it's rough out there. Yeah. But mm. we have to look back for the good times. Yes. Back when we could get A-list actors mm-hmm. performing in full close shots. Yes. About important topics. Right. Michael Bay knew what he was talking about. In a, in a, in a simpler time. A really. simpler, it was yeah. a so pre, much simpler. Pre-9-11 mm-hmm. time when America was great and you just didn't ask questions ba- about it. Back when you could blow up New York City in your opening sequence and have a little humor behind it, you know? A little. A little bit of humor. Yeah. There's so much to love in this movie. Absolutely. Um, as far as... Uh, as far, Ryan. Yes. So... When this movie came up last week, yes. whenever the hell we recorded Serenity, yes. uh, you had expressed some reservations about this blockbuster <laughs> 98 mixed review, but nonetheless massively box office successful. Um, I don't even know how to end this sentence. Ryan, what's your problem with awesome movies? Well, um, you see, David, there is a lot of issues that I have with films that are in um, – intentionally done to obfuscate their horribleness. And I think that this film is problematic, especially upon re-seeing it. I have, to, I have to say that a lot of this comes with some reservations. I mean, now that I'm no longer a teenager, watching Michael Bay films has kind of lost a little bit of uh, enjoyment for you me. You were a movie I mean, snob as a teenager, too. Don't I, lie. Oh, no. I mean, no. This, I mean, it was like a three when I saw it first time. It, over time, it had degraded to about a one and a half. It, uh, the half-life of this movie is very, very, very short for me in terms of my enjoyment of it. And I've got to say, David, that the... I mean, this this is a movie that represents, like, a lot of what is wrong with Hollywood. Um, It's bloated. It's superficial. uh, It's poorly constructed. um, It has... It has holes. It has holes. I mean, I mean, I mean, I, I, I... uh, leaving out the glaring lack of logic and plot structure and emotional validity um, and just general sense of quality that this thing just kind of just shats out as it skyrockets towards the fucking heavens. Um, overall, though, um, the motherfucker does have some charm. <laughs> Upon re-seeing this thing, I will say that um, this movie does have a kind of cheekiness to it that I... Uh, uh, maybe had overlooked the last time I saw it. Now, I'm not saying it's a good movie. I am not saying it's a good movie. Uh, but I might be saying that in order to qualify for a theme of guilty pleasure, that this might be a good, bad movie. Amen, brother. All right. So, Armageddon, for those of you who don't know, and how could you not? 
uh, stars. Uh, let's just pull up my uh, my uh, my nineties oh my. 90s superstar list yeah, here. Any any issue of variety from post 97. And and by the way, we're going to just refer to these people Ocean's Eleven style as uh, as their actual names because who gives a shit what their alias yeah, was? Yeah, I in this actually movie? don't have a single clue. Oh, AJ is the only name he I is actually ben know. Ben Affleck, yeah, co-starring <laughs> with Bruce Willis, Billy Bob Thornton, Liv Tyler, Will Patton, Steve Buscemi, Michael Clark, Owen Wilson, Peter Stormare. William Fickner, Ken Hudson Campbell, Keith David, who has remained mm-hmm. terrifyingly relevant to this mm-hmm. day, um, always need a good stern black voice. Absolutely. And, and Udo video game, Kier as movie. a psychiatrist. Oh, man. Which just creeps me out. Yes. It's, this cast, this cast is something else. And this is, this is where, you know, I... I Obviously, I was being a little facetious talking about going back to a time when A-list actors got close-up shots so that they could say snarky lines. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, we have shit on superhero movies for a long, long time. But superhero movies have something in them that this movie does not. Mm-hmm. Flaws. <laughs> <laughs> and honestly, I think it's part of the reason I prefer this movie. I want to make a quick, I want to make just a quick guilty pleasure analogy here uh, uh, based on the writing. And this is actually some early evidence of J.J. Abrams, who's co-writer of this fine script. Now, when 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 you watch this movie, much like we brought up with Tombstone, you know, like Tombstone has Val Kilmer and, you know, like the movie's writing is weak, but Val Kilmer's lines are real good. Yeah. So Armageddon has Steve Buscemi, mm-hmm. and where everyone else's lines are just kind of weak, Steve Buscemi got all the good dialogue. Of course I'm in. While I don't share his enthusiasm, you know me. Beat me up, Scotty. I I don't know that I agree with that. In I think there are actually... At a tactical level, and this is what I'm, this is what I'm getting at with the, the, with the A-list thing. I think this movie is actually is genuinely top notch at some very very superficial levels. Um, the well, I'm not going to deny that it's not top notch at no, superficial but da- levels. David, please explain. Oh, this, this, Steve Buscemi's lines. I'll I'll give it to you. His performance is outstanding. Um, and well, and it gains so much momentum because by the end of the movie, it's just like. Oh, it culminates. Yeah, mm-hmm. like and he even he gets the stripper, oh. which which end, what yeah. a touch. Yeah. yeah, what a touch. At the end of this movie <laughs> that everyone gets what they want, um, except they, they don't get to know who shot Kennedy. No, they don't. Which yeah. is a that, yeah, that's it, a recurring theme. Even NASA couldn't figure that one out. That's, <laughs> yeah. that's, that's a recurring theme of Michael Bay. I had mentioned though with uh, with Michael Bay. I don't. I, I want to come back to this. So but I wanna, apparently, I wanna, he's a movie director. Um, he's an sorts. explosion director. There we go. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah. yeah. He 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 brings the explosions together. Yeah, like a flaming bat, like a like a flaming brown bag on a doorstop. You know, like, that's not big enough. You're no. not thinking <laughs> big enough. <laughs> <laughs> that's bullshit. Yeah, that's yeah but I, I wanted to. Uh, I want to bring up the I want to bring up the idea that this movie is actually good in some sense, like within the context of the scenes in which it happens. But in general, part of the reason I picked this was because I wanted to think slightly grander in terms of what a guilty pleasure can mean. Mm-hmm. Um, Tarantino is very frequently cited on this podcast because he's a good reference for all sorts of things, and one of the things he's a great reference for is references. <laughs> he loves. He loves to 
jack off to mm-hmm. everything in his scenes. And one of the easiest ways to do that, as everyone who writes fan fiction knows, as the not necessarily the Joss Whedons of the world, but certainly the J.J. Abramses of the world, um, they love being able to wink. Mm-hmm. And that is a form of guilty pleasure itself, even if the audience is not complicit in it, which occasionally they're not. Frequently nowadays, they do enough focus testing that any reference to something everybody's going to get. Mm-hmm. Like everyone got every reference in episode seven of Star Wars. They didn't cloak any of that. Okay. Um, in this movie, the guilty pleasure really is Michael Bay's. Michael mm-hmm. Bay gets to hang out with all the people he thinks are cool. He gets to render massive amounts of explosions, take out Paris entirely, mm-hmm. which I can't assume is not a grudge just based on how total it is. Um, and that's basically, yeah, I mean, he, at that point, that's the only, like, except, except for New York, like, Paris. Shanghai is, lost a cut. Like, there's there's a news report that oh, says yeah. Shanghai got hit and, like, 40,000 people died. The meteor that hits Paris, Paris yeah. destroys the entire city. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Like, it just blows the whole thing up. Yeah. Um, and this movie, it gets to be so serious. It's so important. And mm-hmm. at the time, that was apparently in the zeitgeist, given that, as a lot of people know, Deep Impact came out at pretty much exactly the mm-hmm. same time. It was a rash the same way that um, blowing up the White House was relatively recently. Mm-hmm. Just a really popular thing to do. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, this was on a much grander scale, and that's... You know, that that's a result of the simplification and dumbing down of American policy and in general political culture after 9-11. But we cannot get into that. It will take too long. Yeah, I know. And you really have to feel sorry for people who don't remember a pre-9-11 mindset. I think that this is really strange, like, you know, watching films like this when there is a kind of like uh, just a, a sense of like enjoyment with the kind of destruction that happens with it. Like now this like it's it's kind of relieving in a weird way to kind of see something that's just kind of like, you know, yeah, we're going to blow up New York and the Twin Towers are going to be all jacked up. And, you know, like, it's OK. It's yeah. OK. Like, it's, it's a movie, you know, yeah. like, fucking relax. All right. And I got to say that I was kind of shocked to kind of to see it done and to have it not linger on this like this woefulness that comes with a lot of violence within it. And it's unfortunate because, like, so much of the woefulness that comes with the violence in films today um, does feel put upon. I mean, does feel like it's like you're having to do you this. You have to mourn about this. Yeah, and, like, this this kind of comes at you, which is like, you know, we're going to, you know, blow up a couple 30,000 people and then just kind of move on from it from there and not really have any pretense that this is going to be meaningful because it's just, I mean, this is just a, this is just a set up the plot. Oh, right? We're going to blow oh, up I, New York just to set this fucker yeah. up. I actually have, I, I did like a cute little outline of like the opening couple of sequences of this movie, mm-hmm. just real briefly. Mm-hmm. So oh, we, can, we can dive in at this point started, if you well, want. Well, we can, we can, we can uh, delve down into these a little deeper, but, but this was like my literal notes taking, you know, movie starts with Earth Destruction. Then we get space. Charlton Heston, Earth Destruction. Yes. Yeah, then we get space destruction. Then we get urgency. Then we get explosions of debris. Mm-hmm. And then we get black comedy relief. Yeah. Like, that's all in the first 
about 10 minutes of this movie. Mm -hmm. Like the earth is destroyed. There's explosions in space. There's urgency. There's more explosions. And then we take out New York with comedic relief. Mm -hmm. It's a beautiful hourglass. And that's, that's even before we get to meet our crew. Mm -hmm. That's just on the cusp of it. And let's, let's open it up to the start of this movie. So this movie starts with the most severe form of foreshadowing it possibly can. You get a very important NRA actor telling us (laughs) that, The fear is justified. It happened before. It will happen again. Um, And then from there, we go on to NASA. We go on to important governmental discoveries. It's very 2001, if I may be so bold on Michael Bay's behalf, to go from the time of the dinosaurs up to the modern day. In space. In space. In space. There's no monkey throwing a... Uh, well, no. Instead of instead of yeah, instead of watching the monkeys, I mean, we literally get to watch the first Earth destruction. So like, we kick off with like asteroid hitting. We're like, look it, it killed everything. <laughs> Earth destroyed. <laughs> to Michael Bay, to Michael Bay, destruction on a mass scale is the obelisk. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that is that is in fact. That is, in fact, the recurring theme here. But in the beginning, we have uh, we have the destruction of the dinosaurs. Uh, we go to space. Something is wrong, and we yeah. don't know what's wrong, but we have a pretty good guess based on the last scene what it is. Um, <laughs> and uh, we get NASA scrambling. We have the most important— Urgency. Yes. A lot of urgency. We, we've— t- He's so urgent. Keith David's on the phone. Oh, my God. He's Billy so Bob urgent. Thornton in the most serious role— that I can uh, and remember he, and him in. in the history of film, yes. Okay, I want three groups. One, internal malfunction. Where did the log type start working back? Maybe it's a glitch. Two, I want NORAD, Space Command, and the 50th Tactical comparing all the space junk you track in every orbit. I want you to check, recheck, and then do it all over again. Number three, wild cards. Anything and everything, all right? Now, Big Ross, I want you to get on the telephone, wake up 11,000 people. And walk, get them going. Let's go. Also, one of his first. Like this is this movie came just after Sling Blade. Yeah, this is yeah one of his big or bigger was it, ones. And this was like right after. This was a year after Tombstone, I think. Um, Tombstone, Which, I think, might have been before. Yeah, it was later. Oh, before okay. ninety eight. Yeah. Okay. yeah, this was this was one of his first movies. A, um, a in, big starring role. Big, yeah, yeah, like like main roles. Okay. Aside from not being slapped by Kurt Russell. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> big roles. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but uh, we established some serious stakes and. Um, we established those serious stakes, as Nicole alluded, in the context of Eddie Griffin. Oh, who was a great if if you don't remember your '90s black comedians. Oh, he was up there. You he were was, missing out. He was yeah. good. YouTube stu- that shit. Dude, go back and YouTube. find. I don't remember the name of the thing, but it's on YouTube. He's wearing a blue trench coat with no shirt on and blue pants. It's an excellent like <laughs> like hour of comedy. It's worth looking up. That special is called Voodoo Child. It's pretty easy to find a good copy of it. Well, it should be said that 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 he has a vaunted position in the Paddock traditions as well in in terms of cinema. Uh, his starring performance in Undercover, Undercover Brother, Brother yes. which is which is a, a pivotal uh, piece of black cinema in the Paddock household. Mm-hmm. With that notice, uh, anyway. Yeah. <laughs> um, actually, I guess this is the perfect time for that to come yeah. up. Uh, our dad really likes this movie. Um, okay, I have some daddy issues with this movie because, like, like Bruce Willis. <laughs> You're not the only person in the, in the context of this movie who has. No, Maybe I know. In this room. <laughs> no, I know. Because here's the thing. Like, like I listen to Aerosmith because Dad listened to Aerosmith. I'm pretty sure 
you know, David and I's dad has always just wanted to be Bruce Willis in a Bruce Willis movie. Who doesn't? And the only brunette to date that I'm aware of that dad ever thought was cute is Liv Tyler. Well, there we go. Fateful. Tie, yeah. tie a bow around it. That's fucking yeah. um, we got And after, I mean, I don't know how much we really, I don't, I don't know how much there is to actually say about the, the New York scene other than the fact that uh, we've come a long way. We've yeah. <laughs> come a long way, baby. <laughs> that the scene would, could, could not make it into a movie nowadays. I don't think so. Not, not in the lighthearted way in which it goes about it, because there's a lot of destruction, and then there's just a lot of slapstick comedy interwoven in it. It's just so, and and on top of that, it's brought to you in the context of a crazy black dude yeah. Yeah. who's just trying to make it, man, and he's got a silly dog, <laughs> and just the whole the whole scene yeah. is. It would it would have to be tempered somehow, and it's yeah. just not. <laughs> no, that's the thing. Like, there's this. I mean, this movie has, like, a surprising lack of inhibition to it, you know? Like, it just, uh, I mean, it, it has... What's the 10 out of 10? Yeah, no, the thing, that, the thing, yeah, exactly. The thing just has this, this momentum behind it to where, you know, a lot of people, I think, go through life without second-guessing a lot of their decisions. And this movie, I think, is an excellent exemplar. If these, if you gave these people one hundred eighty million dollars to make a movie, like yeah. this is the kind of movie those people would make <laughs> without and, question. Yeah, and it's just like I'm. I mean, I'm. I'm just floored by the fucking experience. I got to tell you, man. Like going back and looking at this thing as like an actual adult. Because look, to be honest, I think we made. A, we might have seen this film in the theater when it's- it came out. Entirely possible. And that was probably the last time I have actually seen this movie. See, I have seen this movie multiple times because my dad watched it all the time. He probably forces you on Thanksgiving evenings after dinner's complete to like watch this movie with you guys. Like Well, it's on. You can you can choose (laughs) you can choose whether to indulge or not. Yeah. Then you guys clearly have chosen. You are complicit. Exactly. Yeah. (laughs) No. You can walk out of the room. Yeah, no, no. Well, I mean, it's hard to turn away from it, right? The thing's like a fucking Flaming goddamn train wreck, you know? Flaming on fire in space Whoa. with Bruce Willis. Yeah. God damn it. Are we engineered to succeed? Yeah, okay. So, all right. Let's, I gotta but, move on. We gotta move but, on, but dude. Now, but now that... The, now that we have our now, intro. Yeah, now that the the um, the culture of a bygone era has has faded off into the distance. Actually, I think it's just a sharp cut to uh, Bruce Willis at this point. Um, we encounter everyone's America's favorite dad without quite yeah. still to this day. Yeah, still, America's still favorite. Yeah. Like there's no, I mean, I know, obviously Die Hard, Die Hard four was like even better than one, two and three. Liam Neeson tried to take the crown away. He's Bruce got a, Willis wouldn't let he's him. got a no. different feel to him though, Liam Neeson. He's more of a murderer. I'm telling you, I'm just saying he tried. I didn't say he took the crown. See, see, like Liam Neeson, Liam Neeson chooses. Uh, the thing is, what makes what makes Bruce Willis different is he's always like the guy that has to take care of stuff, even though he didn't even want to be there. That so day. yeah, some people pursue greatness; other others have greatness thrust upon them. Basically, yeah. Yes, and that is yeah, Bruce. That Absolutely. is Bruce Willis. Bruce yeah. Willis is a continuous sigh. Yeah, I didn't yeah. want to be here today. Yeah, yeah. And he says that line multiple times, <laughs> and I could not help but think of Clark. And yeah, Clark. Uh, Clerks. And I kind of wonder if that was another masturbatory Michael Bay reference, just in the way he was like, oh, always a good assumption. Always a good assumption. Because he had so many Pulp Fiction, like, funny moments in it. Oh, yeah. And, you know, he he gives exactly the performance he always does, and it's stellar. Yeah. Mm -hmm. He is, again, he is the 
He is what a dad. Someday, many years from now, when you're all grown up and you got your own oil company and $8 million of your own money on the contract, you can do whatever comes into that little AJ idiot mind of yours you want. But as long as it says Harry Stamper oil on the rig, you will not disobey my rules. You got that. Yeah. Like what a what a just gets shit done. Speaking of getting shit done, like always doesn't know everything that's going on, but knows everything he needs to know that's going on, mm-hmm. which develops immediately in the first scene oh, where yeah. we are introduced to the two worst actors without question in this movie, uh, Ben Affleck and Liv Tyler, who are having a, uh, a fling. Um, I didn't, I haven't seen this movie in a while. Mm-hmm. It didn't occur to me how, like, I already used ratios, so I'm not going to say that again, but... Ben Affleck is so much prettier than he is emotive. He is so, he is is the most teenager you can be at 30 years old. He is a large, chinned, blank canvas of of handsomeness. It's You know what's so funny is his younger brother, who is not nearly as popular and in way fewer movies, can literally act circles around him. Mm -hmm. I believe He just won an Oscar this year, I think, Casey Affleck. For a movie you haven't heard of. Yeah. Yeah. Manchester by the Sea. Okay, you've heard of it. Well, Victor Victor uh, <laughs> basically just listed all the Oscar movies. I don't know what any of them are about. Yeah, it's supposed to be sad. Okay. Yeah. I'll take your Mainly word for it. Mainly because of its lack of Ben Affleck, from what I understand. Casey mm. Affleck's hungry. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, can, I can see it. I can see it. But He's man, a way better actor. But man, man, just the blank stares mm-hmm. and the... Louis He's C- got like no charisma. No, he do- he has no <laughs> charisma despite being supernaturally attractive. Yes. And it's just it's it's clearly just like worn on him his whole life. Mm-hmm. Like it's just completely burned down his personality. Yeah. Whatever it was or would have been. Come on, Independence, keep it up. Let's go with a younger team here, with a varsity team. Take it to eleven. I think I think the key phrase in anything uh, that Ben Affleck's life that's led to his achievement would just be him looking at you with those fucking starry little eyes, that cleft in the chin, and a slight smile. And you're saying, like, he's a blank slate. We yeah, can work with that. Saying, just, just come on, man. You know, and you're like, you're right. Whatever, whatever we were talking it, about, you're absolutely right. Like, and I'm I'm sure he's grown as a human being into his fifties or whatever the hell age he is now. But like, he doesn't look yeah, that much different. A, yeah, it's nothing personal, Ben. I mean, I know no. you're, we know you listen to the pod, you know. But like, look, Ben, it's, it's we nothing, appreciate it absolutely. I mean, this has nothing to do with you as an as an amazing human being. Say hi to Casey for me. Yeah, so. and friends with Matt, Matt Damon, and you know, you do your your charity work. I mean, you are a stellar human being. I don't want to take the segue too far off tangentially, but uh, Matt Damon doesn't seem to suffer from this. No. I, I'm Ma- not sure why. Matt Damon is a substance of, uh, as a being of substance. I don't, but, but what's the difference? Uh, intelligence. He can act. Charisma. But, but, acting. but why? Because I, I feel like I can see Ben Affleck devolving into the person well, that he is in this movie and, and, as a result of just being a hunk of ass his well, whole and life. I'm not, and I'm not an act, I, you know, I'm not an actor by any means, but I listen to a podcast that has a failed actor on it. And evidently, like, to be an actor, you have to be vulnerable all the time because you have to tap into emotions. And I just don't think that's something that Affleck, like, has the ability to do. Like, he, he just, there's no tapping into vulnerability. Like, he's just there. Well, Exa- and, exactly. And, and but, ca- but Damon Damon can do that, which is why he's the better actor. Well, what's the difference? Okay, also, okay, maybe maybe our Joss Whedon comparison from last week maybe applies okay. to this. Um, Matt Damon is funny, or has a sense of humor, has comic ability. I mean, I think maybe there's something... Yeah, that's true, because, he, okay, Ben Affleck's first performance I ever saw him in, he played... The douche that worked at the fashionable mail 
in the Kevin Smith movie Mall Rats, which means yes, Michael Bay most likely put that clerk's reference Excellent. in there deliberately because he must have seen that fine, vapid performance Absolutely. by Affleck prior yeah. I mean, to casting like, him in this fine film. Yes. Hero. That's, That's my He theory. looked at that role and yeah. he said hero. Yeah. My kind, Michael Bay's kind of hero. Fair enough. The All douche right. that nobody likes. Yes, I just, exactly. I, <laughs> I mean, that's... This like the the culture we got to we got to keep moving we got to keep moving so so many references so, I'm so, telling you man this so, thing's a monolith of our, of our past experiences <laughs> in humanity no We've question gotta recognize there's, this there's now. so there is so much but so so we're meeting the crew so we're meeting the crew oh, and, no no okay, okay well, just to catch everyone up here just in case you know you need to you know stay with this intricate plot that we're getting into so it's a massive fucking asteroid that's going to destroy the planet the size of Texas right yeah but nobody knows that yet yeah no they do the whole scene before we meet the crew right or no we meet the crew before. Yeah, yeah, oh, they don't. Right. They don't know either. Yeah, exactly. they haven't had we're the retired getting, Navy guys. Yeah, show we're up. just yeah. getting like the intro, which is we learned that Ben Affleck and Liv Tyler are having a thing. Liv Tyler is uh, Bruce Willis's daughter, so Bruce Willis has a problem with this. Gotcha. And then there's the rest of the Motley crew. Yeah, yeah. Well, who we meet along a shotgun dance around a fucking oil rig, apparently. Yeah, right? yeah. Uh -huh. Okay, like, absolutely. Uh -huh. This yeah. whole scene is uh, set up in a really lame ass yeah, way, so but it's. Really, it's, it's well shot. Mm -hmm. It it has momentum to it. There is a threat that Bruce Willis is going to kill Ben Affleck. It's tense. It's probably not going to happen. But there's... Not from lack of trying. But it's that typical dad response to a situation. All right, now listen. Man to man. Serious. I love her. Way wrong answer! You know. And and the way that it montages through the characters, it gives you it gives you a taste of every one of them. Why don't you put the gun down? You don't want none of this bear. Get out of my way. Just trying to give my man a head start. That's all. In just this vignette on his way around the oil rig, it's mm -hmm. the show me. Let me yeah. show you my boat moment yeah, exactly. of the movie. Which yes, we've had in our previous movie. Actually, very similar setups. We got a lot of dense information, and then the this is my boat scene. Yes. Oh yeah. Well, I mean, strictly speaking, they they're exactly the same. Yeah. We start we start with the governmental organization yeah. being in disarray, and then we go to the ragtag crew. Dude, that's oh, gonna save us on all. an oil rig. And, and by the way, yeah, to like really hype this up in terms of like you know why a middle aged wealthy white man might like this movie is that Bruce Willis's our introduction is actually seeming he's play, he seems like he's playing golf, but no. He's actually on an oil rig oh, hitting golf great. balls at, at fucking Greenpeace, Greenpeace activists <laughs> on protesting his oil rig on a boat. Yeah, very, yeah. <clears throat> that's totally something my dad would do. Yeah, that's, yeah. So, yeah, no, it's, it's that endeared him to every white male over 45. Absolutely. Basically. Such a dad move. Yeah. yeah. The, um, <laughs> what do you think they're so mad about, chick? Well, I think they feel that drilling for oil is an evil thing. You know how much diesel that clunker boat pumps out an hour? So good. <laughs> <laughs> this movie. <laughs> It's not even again. It's not my guilty pleasures. Everyone's. I'd like to say America's that I'd, I'd like to say and I, I. This is something I did not notice till this time in our little meet the crew sequence. Our first shot of Steve Buscemi. He's wearing, he's wearing a cannabis cup shirt from mm -hmm. like Amsterdam with like a big pot leaf on it. Yeah, yeah. and I think uh, his first reference is of a. Oh um, no, I'm sorry. It was a Tijuana. Like it was yeah. like the marijuana association of Tijuana. Or something. Also, like one of the first lines out of his mouth is in reference to having sex with an underage girl. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. No, not the last. Yeah, not exactly. Yeah, no. This has a theme. I find underage uh, women. And obviously, Buscemi, we've already. We've already discussed our allegiance to him over the others, but I 
I like I like the whole crew. Mm-hmm. I think they were all well chosen, and again, everyone, including Ben Affleck and Liv Tyler, as affectless teens, perfect choices. Yeah, yeah. Like this 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 movie, they got exactly who they wanted in every single role. Again, tactical, complete success, as far as I'm concerned. Um, and the music, which I believe our first Aerosmith comes in pretty soon here. Um, Sweet, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. There's uh there's even there's a hell there's a hell of a soundtrack to this movie, oh, which yeah. which goes between when you need it to be down to earth, it's got the Aerosmith. When you need it to be colossal and crazy, it's got violins. Yeah, it's got both completely covered, and it's all the most gratingly minor seventh chorded. Just oh, yeah. symphonic. This movie and an Aerosmith song are very analogous. Like analogous. <laughs> Because <laughs> I listened to a handful of Aerosmith songs after watching this, and I was like, yeah, like, they feel good, and they mean virtually nothing, yep. but they sort of kind of work in a simple way. They've yeah, made, made together. Yeah. Um, but, Dude looks like a lady. <laughs> but after, you know, some shenanigans, and Bruce Willis shoots Ben Affleck in the leg and fires him. And Tyler's made to look like she's like all, you know, got her shit together even though she's apparently grew up on this oil rig with all these roughnecks. She could speak Chinese. Remarkably fair skin. Oh, yeah. The Ivanka Trump of this organization. Absolutely. She's she's got it together. She handles all the business accounts. She evidently speaks languages. Other than English. Yeah. Uh, That always surprises me like every time. I'm just like... Okay, I yeah. guess. <laughs> well, I mean, you'll notice every, every everyone in this movie is supremely competent. Yeah. Because it's a lot harder to write them any other way. That's mm-hmm. the first reason you do that. But it's also because this is a shameless period. We don't, and we'll get into this in the next scene when they discover the asteroid. Mm-hmm. Um, they now have... Well, well they've discovered it. Hey! hey <laughs> we can move on. They figured out what the hell is going on. And um, we get back to... Um, important NASA business. Keith Davis is brought on scene. Yeah, he's like the military advisor to the president, so he, he kind of... He's the general. Yeah. <laughs> he's the graveness advisor to the president, right? Anytime there's a serious This threat. guy is no joke. Yeah. Like, no, this no guy question. does not play around. He's yeah. got every star you can put on his vest. He is the top of the... He is, again, he is the general. And he's intense yes. looking. And, oh. the, and the voice to communicate yes. it. I've got to inform the president. No, he's he's full package. There's a reason why he stuck he stuck around. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And by the way, this isn't his only. Or this isn't his first appearance on the podcast either. By the way, no. Three. I remember of course our not. They Live podcast where his graveness uh, absolutely added some miraculous tones to that film as well. Yeah, I think this movie actually would have benefited from a They Live style fight between Keith David and any one of the number of characters he pissed off over the course of this movie. <laughs> Uh, I can get behind that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I'm just saying it would, you, it, you know, like it, you could have fit it in and it would have worked well. So, <laughs> so, so we're, we're doing important NASA business now. Yeah. Um, and as a caveat to the super competent, mm-hmm. there are nerds that work at NASA. Oh, yeah. And how do they convey that these people aren't merely smart but bookish by bringing in over the course of the movie maybe six separate people who do nothing but either stammer or talk into the ground, mm-hmm. who are then immediately replaced 
by someone else at the behest of Billy Bob Thornton mm-hmm. or the president mm-hmm. or someone who is actually charismatic, knows what's going on, and has all their shit together. This happens at the beginning of every science scene. Mm-hmm. It's like, it's the way that Michael Bay attempts to hand wave the fact that none of the science here is sensible is that when someone tries to describe the science, someone says, Cut out this bullshit. Tell me what's actually going on. Yes. Back in, uh, in 1974, we, we first got the, the idea, the, the possibility that a, that a meteor or an asteroid... I need somebody who's had a little less caffeine this morning. Doc, translate. Yeah. This happens literally, I think, five times mm-hmm. during the movie. Um, Reasons? But- science? <laughs> complexity? No, 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 no. Commercialize this for me, would you? Not at all. And this happens, the the most stark scene where this happens is when they're trying to figure out what the hell to do about the asteroid. And there's this table lined with with, with half NASA people, half military looking people. And there are multiple different designs for things they can do about this asteroid. And they've got like these comical props related to them. And they're all, they're just bumbling. No, actually that even in more serious NASA science spacey movies, there's always the squirrely smart guys with the props. Cause uh, I just watched Apollo 13 and it's like the same thing. He's got like the cups and he's like showing things move. Like, Mm -hmm. like, I guess that's just how science people communicate. Well, and it's, it's an interesting thing because it is an actual problem. The movie has to solve because they can't put Bruce Willis in space without a lot of reasoning. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the problem is that if you actually try to justify it the Martian style, mm-hmm. speaking mm-hmm. of Matt Damon, yeah. um, it's that's actually really, really hard. You have to spend a lot of time crowdsourcing a massive amount of scientific information in order to justify putting Matt Damon in space for some amount of time and then having him survive. Spoilers. Mm-hmm. Um <laughs> we already covered that movie. We that did. was like number six. Yeah, that was a long while back. Read the book. Read the book. Watch the movie. It's all great. But the um, but this actually is a way to deal with the fact that the science needs to be there for it to seem legit. But we're also de- we're dealing with NASA and everybody. At this point in history, in 98, everyone kind of knows how NASA functions. Everyone's seen the NASA channel Mm -hmm. back when TV was a thing. They had a standard def, like, bunch of flat shots of Mission Control, of Capcom. They had all this stuff around. And the emotional moments of NASA have to be present because that's, that's, you know, that's why we go into space because space has this crazy mission to it. Like, Mm -hmm. there's... No one watched the Discovery landing when it first happened, but if you watch the montage of the shit that goes down from, you know, it taking off to landing and then the eruption of applause from the engineering room, like, that's powerful fucking Mm -hmm. stuff. But you got to compress that. Right. And the way that they do this is by showing all the fiddly bullshit on the side and then going, but that's not important. We've got the guy from MIT with a British accent. Mm-hmm. And who we are told. This is Dr. Ronald Quincy from Research, pretty much the smartest man on the planet. You might want to listen to him. Yeah, because yeah. he went to school with the president's science advisor, and he says that that guy was a total fucking hack. Yes. Yeah. Got a C minus in astrophysics. Yeah. Oh, fuck very that good. guy. Yeah. So. <laughs> We then, we get the, the one of the many, many superheroes in this movie in that exact moment, which, mm-hmm. you know, sucks, but at some point that's what you got to do unless you want to make a good movie like The Martian. But that's not what Michael Bay is interested in because we need to get Bruce Willis in this building and that's how we do it, goddammit, yes. by bringing the smartest guy in the world to bring the toughest dad in the world mm-hmm. on site. Yeah, so they decide, of course, the asteroid's coming 
and they're going to, they can't just nuke it. They need to drill a hole in it and then nuke it. And this How is How much science? Yeah. This is no, this is important because another thing that I've learned from watching movies about space is there's one solution to every problem and that is to nuke it. It goes <laughs> across the board. It does not matter if it's like a, like in space related stories, nuking is always the right answer nukes are pretty awesome yeah they do a lot of shit as long yeah. as it's not here that's this is this is this is where it's a problem yes I, and at some point i want to do a screed on how superhero movies only exist because we forgot the nuclear weapons exist yes okay um, well the space genre has not sci-fi has not forgotten that that is their number one solution to all problems yeah, as it should be it's all yes. about the fermi paradox um but now we have bruce willis at the facility yeah, this is, yeah, yeah, this is great. So he gets picked up from his oil rig in the South China Sea, 15-hour mm -hmm. flight to Texas to be introduced and briefed on this situation. Mm -hmm. You know, the NASA's like, here, we got a team for you to work with. And of course, good old Bruce Willis is like, I only work with my guys because I know they're competent. Mm -hmm. Yep. So then, vouch for them. Yes. Vouch for them, Yes. He doesn't work with bumbling nerds. You also notice Bruce Willis also does not tolerate uh, bumbling nerdish tomfoolery well, at any point. I got to be frank with you though. The disrespect to the American military displayed by him is shocking because these are highly qualified NASA astronauts, right? All Air Force top, the best and the brightest. Was it no, it's the Yeah, the, no. That's the oh, actually Ryan, the one about the Ryan, getting us into drilling science. The right it's an people art. with the right stuff. That's the right analogy I'm looking for. The right stuff. The, they've been training these guys for years. They don't know jack about drilling. Though, oh, my right? God. Are you serious? Flying into space, drilling, not the same talents, apparent? Uh, as far as Bruce Willis knows, no. Well, that, I will I will yield the floor. They couldn't even... The smartest guy The smartest guy in the world couldn't assemble his drill. Oh, my God. That's how much of an art it is. Oh, my God. Or at least that's what Bruce Willis will have you believe. Mm -hmm. I had no idea. It's job security, you know. <laughs> He's if you convince everyone you're the only guy that can do it, they have to hire you for the job. Yeah, no. You said we did a bad job of putting it together. No, I said you did a piss poor job of putting it together. I, I was just so, waiting for I was just waiting for one of those scenes when the when the, the smartest guy in the world's holding up the plans and Bruce Willis comes over and then like has to like turn the plans. Yeah. Degrees. Like you've been holding them upside down, genius. No, he doesn't. I mean, he doesn't physically do that, but he basically says. Yeah, yes, he does. Yeah. yeah, he does it in his his, oh, his condescending God. dialogue. But this is this is great. So so now we have the mayor hand wave of this uh, of this particular. I love using the term mayor hand wave because we didn't actually bring him up in Tombstone, but he uh. was like the perfect. It's like you did reference him. I referenced him one time, but yeah. but you know, you've referenced him substantially since then. But because it, it's so it's so pertinent, especially in guilty pleasures, mm -hmm. you have either a person or an event that compresses so many things into one, just so that you don't have to deal with the the logistics of them, like. Mayor Behan in mm -hmm. Tombstone is everything in the town. Like, he does all the government. He is the yeah. government of the yes. town. Yeah. Um, in the next 20 minutes of this movie, what, what looks like three months of things happen over the course in the movie time of about 12 hours. Yeah. yeah, and this is the thing. We know how much time is passing in the movie because there's a doomsday, there's a there's a clock. doomsday yeah. clock counting down from 17 hours. So 17 days. That's 431 hours, 15 minutes, and 18 seconds. So we know how much time is passing by in real time for the movie. However... 
Michael Bay does not let that stop him from adding a bunch of like fun scenes that make absolutely no sense chronologically or time-wise or geographically in terms of the situation. I'm not going to blame Michael Bay for that because <laughs> I watched The Rock and that movie is solid. <laughs> I'm going to blame J.J. Abrams for this. We can blame J.J. Abrams. Because J.J. Abrams has no respect for time or space. Okay. This has been a permanent problem with him. <laughs> Specifically, it's a permanent problem for me with him. Okay. Um, it's why it, it is it is the root of why I don't like him as a director. I don't I don't know when or where things are taking place because he compresses everything. Um, and this movie, I'm I'm willing to blame all. I'm willing okay. to blame him entirely for this because he's shown such a tremendous amount of this in more recent films that back then I can only imagine. Uh, it was even less developed back okay. then. Although maybe he was more or less arrogant about it. Regardless, uh, I, I think this is Abrams' fault. Okay. Um, That's The Rock is totally a great okay. movie. But in any case, we uh, we now have the team assembled yes. at NASA some unknown amount of time later after they've been scattered everywhere. Yeah, yeah. So they were all supposed to be on a rig in the ch Southeast China Sea. But after this 15-hour plane ride that gets good old Bruce Willis to NASA, when they go and pick up the rest of the crew, they're all, like, back and leading lives in the U.S., I guess, within basically a 24-hour period. Ben Affleck has started his own company. Yeah, yeah. Yes, like, exactly. basically, with, within what was, like I said, what on the movie timer has been literally 24 hours. Yeah, he had enough time. <laughs> he had enough time to paint his name yeah. as president on the yeah. name of his company. Yeah, yeah, on yeah he's on got his, his own oil rig. Yeah. yeah. Like, his own drawer. You know, we've got Buscemi is, is finding tits, which is what he does best. Yep. We've got, you know, the black dude on the motorcycle. Avoiding you know. police, trying to detain yeah, just, him to save the world. Yeah, we're just kind of getting a feel for what these people do in their free time. Yeah. And, um, and once we get them together, Bruce Willis has the talk, <laughs> mm -hmm. which only America's dad could have yeah. with roughnecks of this quality. Yes. Um, and they're all in. Yeah. No one's, no one's going to let Bruce well, no, Willis down. No, but uh, but ironically, right? It's but just they like, did have demands. Yeah, like, so this is the thing, right? Like, we have a sensitive, important mission to save the planet. And like, you know, no, I got some conditions, right? I'm yeah. like, I'm not just going to, I'm not just going to save my life and everyone else's. No, I've got some conditions, they right? Didn't, they didn't get to where they are cheaping out on their own demands. Oh, man. absolutely. And like all the good Americans, I mean, the core demand is, of course, none of them want to pay taxes again ever like, look i think that line is great yeah save i think the world, that, yeah. i think that whole scene again it is for, good tactically speaking it is good absolutely all things they would even ask the way for. It's, yeah. it's shot like he's got like a bunch like bruce willis has a bunch of like handwritten like notepad pieces of paper in his hand he's mm -hmm. talking to like keith david and nasa <laughs> and, and billy, bob, and billy bob, thornton. bob thornton who runs nasa who, who, and then the, who represent the military as a whole uh, yeah, and nasa yeah. as a and whole and then like the whole crew is up on a balcony just like watching the sense, this whole, yeah, watching them yeah this whole transaction down and he's like shuffling through these handwritten notes and they're like uh yeah so-and-so wants to know who killed jfk and he looks over and the military guy's just like nods his head like no yeah, not not giving sorry. that one up no. and then bruce willis like looks up at the team and he's like uh, sorry, can't get that one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh my god, I, I really like that. That that is that is a good, the one guy Ryan, wants like all his Ryan. parking tickets forgiven. Yeah, that is a good scene. No, see, this is the thing. Like, I mean, it's it's tough because this film is essentially a two and a half hour montage. Like, there's there's like 
there is very little of an of a like a specific scene in this film other than just a collection of like lens flare and and comedy and Bruce Willis like I mean that's like pretty much all I can determine that in late 90s um uh, computer generated graphics but like like yeah. this things like like that's like what this movie is when when like reduced to its basic elements and I mean there is some good stuff in this film as well like like the 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 jokes come come hot and heavy, man. Like oh. you know, like the thing, like but and most I, of them land. Well, I, but it's funny though because, like, I mean, I just want to kind of emphasize as the snob in the room that that like the lack of like emotional context for everything here is just absurd. I mean, we essentially get the idea that um, Liv Tyler essentially is uh, upset about the whole thing because you know Bruce Willis. Um, you know, was always it was seemingly absent, devoted to his craft, if you yes. will. But she um, followed him. She followed because he mom left because yeah. of his devotion. Didn't take the daughter, um, but she still feels angry with him. And as such, because of not of lacking the direct attention by America's father, because he was busy being father to everyone else. Apparently, um, she of course fell in love with someone like her father, a la AJ, a la Ben Affleck, and. This is what is so upsetting to Bruce Willis is that he wanted something better for her than what he has, despite the fact that he is the greatest hole driller on the fucking planet. But he's like, no, I didn't want you to be some. I didn't want someone who achieved excellence in the field that I achieved excellence. Yeah. <laughs> I wanted you to find someone who achieved excellence in something different. And so, you know, you have this like bouncing. I mean, Liv Tyler's love for AJ Ben Affleck and Bruce Willis's That's frustration. That's just a lack of options. I mean, yeah, she's exactly. on an oil drill, and he's mostly the same age. But that also, this <laughs> I mean, the other kind of like weird. Which thing, to, be to be clear, the movie says explicitly. Explicitly, yes, yes. yeah. yeah. <laughs> but like, then there's yeah. like this other like 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 larger family aspect to this thing, right? Because then this theme comes up over and over again, at least for the first third of the movie when it's relevant, and then they don't need it for the rest of the film, which is that. Like, she's been raised by everyone there, yeah. right? Like, there's, like, a really uncomfortable scene with Steve Buscemi, who's already expressed his fascination for underage women, um, explaining that, like... Uh, he taught her how to use tampons. He taught her how to use tampons, yeah, the first time. <laughs> and it's, like, you know, but, like, the thing is, is that, like, her... You know, the movie just picks these things up and drops them as needed. I mean, it like, it's... It's like a bad plate spinning scene, you know, like if you've ever seen well, it. Well, that's like because we, really, we just really need to get to space at this point. So this movie hasn't really, like, picked up yet. But, like, I just want to say <laughs> that this film is a fucking jumbled mess of, like, emotional reasoning here. Like, the supposed connection she has being raised by all of the people, this, like, motley group of fucking heroes that we're going to, like, you know. Ragtag team, right? this Ragtag fucking movie team. around. Like, she supposedly has this, like, deep personal connection with all of them, although she doesn't speak to anyone else in the fucking film other than Harry and AJ. Yeah, that's very true. So, like, again, but beside the point. All right, that's any, beside anyways, the point, it's, it, Again, that's tactical versus strategic. Yeah. And I'm about to make a comparison that I think will literally be novel within the history of film critiques. Um, in Wages of Fear... <laughs> Let's hear it. The tension in Wages of Fear works at a strategic level because we are constantly mm -hmm. aware of the MacGuffin. We are constantly aware of the problem. Right. In this movie, it alternates. Okay. From scene to scene. It is either the MacGyvering ragtag team, or it is NASA, or it is the end of mankind. Mm -hmm. And it changes, and it's not always focused on one of those things. And that's the, it, it can be very tense in any one of those moments because it's tremendously well executed. But the movie does not have 
executed again at a tactical level. Yeah. Every one of the scenes. But because there is no through line aside from the end of the world. Right. <laughs> which which is a, a, a kind of an artificial gravity, let's call it. Um, it doesn't make you feel invested over a period of more than 10 minutes until very late in the movie. Mm-hmm. Because uh, you can't, you can't be. Right. The movie forces you to be in a different mode of thought um, from scene to scene, and the jump cuts and the music perfectly accentuate this. Again, oh, yeah. with every time it switches from a NASA scene of violins doing the crazy, the crazy minor seventh thing that is the, the hallmark of the music, and switch to an Aerosmith song, you cannot maintain the level of tension you had from the scene before. No, well, look, this movie is strategically, if we're talking tactically, this movie, one of the strategies of this film is to never allow you any space to, like, think about what you've just fucking seen. Amen. Yeah, like, no, this is, like, this is, the contemplativeness of this film is completely after the credits have already rolled, right? Because it's like, you know, like, does this make sense? Too late, we're already on to the next thing, you fucking dummy. Let's come on and move this, all right? We got an Aerosmith song. We've got a fucking NASA sequence. Well, yeah, so, we've oh, got yeah, to so set we've up got the next the whole, fucking disaster whole, that we've got to solve. The whole crew is together. They do our NASA training. They fail miserably. I'll tell you one thing that really drives me nuts is people who think that Jethro Tull is just a person in the band. Who's Jethro Tull? Oh, yeah, no, and that's <laughs> this, this next scene is like every scene in yeah. the movie, a perfect yeah. example of this. They're going through the tests. They're very funny. The doctor's final assessment is one of my favorite things in the whole movie. We normally take 18 months to psychologically prepare, pre-screen viable subjects for space travel. We have seen evidence of a wide variety of territorial Can aggression. Can physically survive the trip? That's all I need to know here, okay? Personally, I don't know how they survived the tests. And the stamp. Mm-hmm. I want that, that stamp scene is just great. Yeah. Um... But that's all taking place in the context that there are 15 days until very probably everyone will die. Yes. Again, the wages of fear analogy persists here, but it's out of frame. It's out of frame for literally 10 minutes. Mm -hmm. So I like that. So after we get through all our training, the guys go out for a night. Like I said, all of this, there's plenty of comic relief. It's fun. We We get to know the crew. Yeah. So what's then, important to them, right? So, but then the action. We get to know what's important to them for the third time. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So, like, I got to do this night off thing, right? Yeah. So, like, apparently, <laughs> apparently that most of them go to a strip club. Yeah. Oh, by the way, there is a forgotten crew member here. There's apparently some dark-haired Russian in the crew. Yeah. Okay, yeah, no, he's... He had to have known that yeah. he was not important. Yeah, well, it, once again, it's like the, the red-shirted ensign in any in any away mission yeah. in Star Trek. you're gonna die. Yeah, motherfucker's dead, and right? It, and he doesn't die until very nearly the end either, which is even weirder. I don't even... I, I can't even remember him in the film. I'm like, anyway, so... He's in the he's in the film literally four times. Gotcha, okay, good, yeah. Um, that was a guess, but it's pretty close. Okay. He's, he's the red shirt. Gotcha, good, okay. So, um, what we also get here is... Um, Will Patton, who, by the way, I fucking love. Oh by the God, way. he's he, he. Will Patton is Bruce Bruce Willis's second on this film. He is his uh, his man Friday, his gal Friday. Oh man, so I'm a big Will Patton fan in general as well. And um, is, is he, this, this question may be insulting? Is he this good in other movies? No, uh, no, but he does actually. Okay, so he's been. Because that'd be a bummer. Because I fucking great in this movie. Yeah, no, he's in a couple good starring roles. Um, uh, or more side roles than anything else. Um, but I'll tell you what, though, to like expound our nerdishness, he does fucking audiobooks. Oh, he's fucking man. great in audiobooks. But that's another thing uh, as well. So 
his, of course, uh, issue and reason when he, they go off, right? What is his priority? Well, he goes to apparently visit the family that he's half abandoned because he's a degenerate gambler, apparently. Yeah. yeah, okay, yeah. But he goes back. Reasons. Yeah, reasons, yeah, reasons, yeah. No, hey, I was looking at that. Oh, hey, boy, I'm just looking at you lovingly like I've known you and wanted you all my life. And the kid can't pick up on that. Must be autistic. And then, you know, the, the mom's <laughs> like, you know, that's just some fucking douchebag salesman who's looking at you like a fucking, you know, piece of chicken. And uh, he's like, well, you just. Would you do something for me? Would you just. Give him this. Uh, you don't have. You don't have to tell him who it's from. Just. Yeah, and apparently, you'll understand why later on when the news that the world is coming to an imminent collapse and destruction and a fucking fireball from space will uh, happen. Okay, so um, got to move forward. Got to move forward. Um, <laughs> you know, they apparently the news gets out. Right, the news gets out because apparently three asteroid strikes in two days apparently didn't maybe tip some people off to the fucking potential that this would happen. No, now it's real because it hit Shanghai. Oh, very good. Yes, I, you know, I mean, a little nod to the to the coming. Uh, uh, oh, by the, the way, the rest of juggernaut. the world is part of the world. Yes, absolutely. So yes, there is a part other world. Okay, good. Yeah. yeah. All right. Yeah, the only other reference to the rest of the world up to this point, I'm pretty sure, is the. Um, that the United States owns eight of the nine satellites that can see. Mm-hmm. The rock coming. Yes, absolutely. I, I think that is literally the one nod mm-hmm. to the rest of the world existing until Shanghai, and now it's real. Yes, absolutely. Now, now Dottie has gone public. <laughs> and this is important, and it brings us back out of the um it brings us back out of the comedy relief section. Now NASA is showing why they're NASA. They're doing the cool shit. Mm-hmm. They're doing all of the assembly. And this comes back to my my thought about it. they need to somehow it's sort of like Apollo 13 and movies like that in some sense there's a lot of really good genuinely heart-wrenching shit about watching NASA do things mm-hmm. because as a collaborative effort it's it's a tremendous it's a tremendous thing that's never been done in human history mm-hmm. almost all the time they're they're doing historical things that we know are important historically but that takes a lot of time yes. and there's a lot of downtime and you have to figure out how to compress all of the important stuff in that into the movie so that the movie is as sellable as possible. Yes. That's the, that's the point of the next maybe 15 minutes of the movie. They introduce a mission control guy at this point yep. who is also like everyone else in this movie perfectly cast. I don't remember the guy's name unfortunately. Maybe mm-hmm. I'll edit it in, but he's he's got a um I wish I knew the specific kind of southern accent, but mm-hmm. he's the perfect no nonsense. Sounds like a football coach yes. kind of guy. Keeps shit together. Yeah. That kind of dude. Give me the go, no go for launch, baby. Yeah. Flight directors, I want the go, no go for launch. Retro. Go flight. Booster. Go flight. Inco. Go flight. Trajectory. Go flight. Fido. Go flight. Ava. Go flight. Capcom Freedom. Go flight. Capcom Independence. Go flight. All right, ladies and gentlemen, it's pucker time. Oh, and there's... um. The, I also wanted to bring up the scene in terms of the kind of accuracy part is when they're strapping them in the rocket before they launch them off. That was actually a direct scene out of like a Apollo 13 too. But they have like the real person like strapping them in and pulling mm-hmm. them in. In this one, it's some like Russian looking babe. And <laughs> yeah. that way when she straps in Steve Buscemi, it gives him like an additional opportunity to make some sexist remark and bring more humor to his character. <laughs> Must be a comfort to know that if the space program goes under, you can always get a job at Helga's house of pain. Could I, could I just, okay. So I was doing some internet research on the, um, you know, on the, on, around the web. Um, so if you take out Liv Tyler's lines, there are only 80, 82 words spoken 
by other women I in wanted this to bring film. Up a, I, wanted, oh, I wanted to bring up a diversity mark, too, actually. Um, our this is team, not a film for moms. Yeah, no, no, yeah. no, no. There's, and there's a surprising lack of diversity in general because this was, um, this was the 90s, so diversity meant you just had to have one or two black people. Like, there is no other like, oh, this races. this is way over the quota. What are you color. talking about? There's like four black people Well, in there's this one on the crew... There's Keith David and there's two comic relief black dudes at the beginning. Okay. So there is four black people in this movie. Right. But other than that, we have a almost exclusively white male cast. Yes. No, no. I, that's what like I said. there's a, it's, it, there's, there, I, it's like that's surprising. But yeah, there is, there is a considerable lack of diversity. Mm-hmm. In Look, this they film. met their quota. <laughs> yes. They brought him on board. No, no. This, they didn't but, give him all that many lines or personality traits, but other, than, resonance, other than crying, death, so this, history, would, this would not fucking, follow what, whatever that, that line. The Bechdel test. The Bechdel, yeah. This yes, would this, not. Yeah. In this, fact, this movie could be why the Bechdel test was fucking invented, this, to be honest with you. Like, this film, this film is an affront well, to all things. Well, let's, let's do an inverse Bechdel test. How many of the female, are more than half of the female characters, um, on screen for sexual purposes. Okay. Yeah, yes. because they're all Steve Buscemi's Russian strippers. Yes. Rush and strippers. Uh, yeah, okay. There's Molly Mounds. Yep. <laughs> there's Liv Tyler. Yep. Uh, um, the, the, the wife. The wife, daughter, and... Uh, family oh, the, court victim. No, the, yeah, family court... And the um, the pilot who disappears in the film as well. The, the, pi- the one, oh, the one yes, girl pilot. Yes. And she gets the extended... And she's basically a man. Well, absolutely. And then the, that's, the th- that's the thing. So like <laughs> the one sequence when they're doing the training and they're mocking when she's like in, trying to introduce, explain this, she actually has the longest unbroken line not interrupted by another man. And interrupt, interrupted for a sexual joke. Yes, exactly. Absolutely. Yeah. No, they are completely designed. Okay, so Bechtel test like invented after this yes, film. Yes, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, this is why this was. I can see like many people watching this going, "What the fuck is going on here?" It's pretty good. So, um, yeah. No. So, so we get through. We get through all of the cool NASA shit. And during this time, NASA is given the gravity oh, it deserves. And our, our spaceships are named. Freedom and independence. Oh yeah, and as by they the way, and and so it should be said too. But like the rest of the world now knows that this thing. Oh yeah, is coming so the world. Oh yeah, I, I, the rest of the world is praying actively while we're going through this whole NASA no, sequence. No, and this, yeah, and this thing is like a re-elect Reagan commercial montage. You know, like <laughs> fucking people in blue jeans. In 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 small town city centers, they, they, there's waving like, American flags there, at dawn. Yeah, there's like three shots over the course of this film of like Muslims in front of the Hagia Sophia in mm-hmm. Turkey. Yes, which I mean, it is a pretty building, but that's literally like the entire. They they all go back to the same shot at various points. In well, the it's kind of nice need, that like, you can just Muslim. like rely on you know old natural nat, you know National Geographic footage yeah. to like fill yeah. university. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's really cheap. I mean, it's good. I mean, I mean, look, budgetarily. I really appreciate that. That was a good move. Yeah, yeah, well. They didn't get to use a whole lot of other stock footage. There was a lot of other CGI going on. Yes, absolutely. So, uh, you know, the budget got tight when they started having to deal with the fact that the rest of the world existed. Also, it is funny that you could basically edit all of that footage out. Mm -hmm. Like, that could have all been in post. Oh, and I also uh, wanted to make a point now, because in movies that maybe weren't quite as... uh, Loaded with uh, plot holes and comic relief. What are you talking about? (laughs) Normally, normally, like this, 
this NASA footage scene where they're strapping them in and we watch the rocket. T- Normally, I would be in fucking tears at this point oh, if yeah. this were any no, other get, movie. NASA's powerful shit. No, I, I cry at all of it. And I had to watch some NASA stuff after this just to make sure <laughs> I was working. I was still there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I was tempted. Okay. I'll tell you. Okay. So, so this initials, normally this scene would like bring me to tears if it was in any other context. It didn't. But, but. I will say, once once we start landing and we get our space stuff, I wasn't immune completely. I did start doing the waterworks by the well, end of this. Well, I, I think there is a good but reason it, it for that. Took me, it took me a little yeah. longer to get the emotional no, resonance. No, you know it's ending. You know it's ending. It's coming to an end. I mean, that's, I was tearing up too. I'm like, oh, thank God. Oh, fucking hell. We're not talking meta themes here, right? Yeah, yeah. We're talking strategy. <laughs> Um, but they t- they take off and yeah. um, they go through they go through a couple I'm of a, weird. I'm cry when we get to this podcast too. <laughs> oh, we get to the space station, man! You get to the space station. Oh, they waste no time bringing stuff. the last star of this movie in, Peter Stormare. Who uh, plays a Russian again? Welcome, everybody. I am not gas station. This is sophisticated laboratory. I'm in charge. So do not be touching anything. Because yeah. we can't have actual diversity. Yeah, no. Oh, so this 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 whole sequence is awesome. Um, by the way, um, I was really struck by uh, the lack, of, I mean, the presence of gravity in this as well. Like, this is just new to me. I didn't realize that this was the case. And I guess they introduced some reason why there'd be no, why there would be gravity on a space station or otherwise. Yeah, I think someone says, again, there's a hand wave moment where someone goes, uh, spin it. Yeah. Yeah. Spin it. Okay, good. Yeah, okay, good. Yeah. You've got your reverse thrusters. You get your reverse there's thrusters. There's a lot of reverse thrusters yeah, going on in this thrusters. movie. Yeah, Everything has reversed. Th- th- there the was shuttle. no inertial dampeners, though, in this movie. Yeah. Oh, no, there weren't. They didn't use that particular trope, but there yeah. are reverse thrusters on the shuttle, mm-hmm. on the mule, yeah. on the suits. Yes. <laughs> Everything has reverse thrusters. Yes. This pen reverse thruster down <laughs> yeah. to the ground. Oh, so um, so we pick, apparently it's a problem, and there's another explosion. I've, I I kind of lost the details why the explosion happened, or uh, there's a leak that's causing a pressure buildup. Fucking Russians. Which, as far as I know, is um, not how that. I mean, maybe I'm not thinking about the physics correctly, but if you have a leak, I think the pressure goes down. Yes. Well, <laughs> thinking. <laughs> like, uh, apparently, apparently, Michael Bay didn't put enough edits and lens flare for that fucking, uh, for you to disabuse yourself of that fucking habit. No, there was too much Ben Affleck on the screen. <laughs> too much the blankness of his face. But, but again, another another beautiful scene in this movie, of which almost all of Peter Stormare's scenes are, um, when he's explaining how the machine works. Yes. Well, to the right is fuel gauge. You watch the fuel gauge. 150, okay. 160, okay. 200. Bad disaster for a space station. So if you watch 200, you can call for lap on, and you see her number one on. You ask for lap, and you pull this down all the way down. What's left? I'm Levan Rovo, Colonel of Russian Space Agency. In Russia, I'm a very big man. <laughs> And he just leaves. Yeah, he yeah. just leaves. Lever, by the way, not as solidly constructed as an emergency type scenario would require. But, yeah, probably you know, not. Yeah, especially not for super cold yeah, applications. Yeah, we're splitting hairs here. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So, um, so yeah, that whole thing explodes. And yeah, they, we basically blow up the space station. <laughs> yeah, great line. Uh, we 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 are uh, we are out and plus one cosmonaut apparently. Yeah, yeah. yeah. we're heavy one cosmonaut. Heavy one cosmonaut. Yeah, because Bruce Willis. 
never leaves a man behind. That's right. Never leaves a man, which I think actually applies through the whole movie. Okay, good. Uh, we're about to get to the part where it might happen again. They sh- yeah. they blast their way around the moon. That's half comic relief, half and then we have, yeah. yeah, and then we have but, like the joy, which uh, I know Nick brought up before the movie, is we get to experience how hard it is to land on something moving. Yes. Because yeah. they have to slingshot around the moon and then catch up with our moving asteroid. Yes. And it doesn't go great. No, it doesn't. Uh, one of the shuttles gets uh, foobarred and... Um, <laughs> Bodies are flying. Yes. Oh, yeah. Um, it's pretty brutal. Mm-hmm. Uh, they totally missed their landing spot. Yeah, the other shuttle misses his landing spot. And this is what I was going to mention is uh, Bruce Willis is not on the shuttle that loses people. Of Just saying. Of course okay, not. Gotcha, um, gotcha. Yeah, the yeah. other shuttle. If Bruce Willis had been on AJ's shuttle, that would not have happened. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I'm saying. He would not have let that slide. He has a protective aura of plot device around him. That's yeah. fucking A. <laughs> all right. Um... But they make it, uh, they miss the landing site by 24 miles or some number, uh, Steve Buscemi knows. Well, that's the thing. And not only, the, not only, this is probably the worst location to do this on because apparently... Um, the ore is heavier and Compressed different. iron. Yeah, right. now, yeah. now, how does he know this? Because I'm a genius. Oh, yeah. Oh, I, actually, I had a note specifically. Um, you know, we got the asteroid stuff and then Steve Buscemi, genius. Yes, genius. Yeah. Which yeah. they established earlier. <laughs> well, and I got to say that every... He ge- mentions it quite frequently. Combination well, pederast yeah. and MIT graduate. Yeah. And, yeah. It, well, and he does see everything in terms of big or small boobs. Yes, absolutely. And I got to say, every genius I've met has, in fact, self-identified as such. So okay. that's very interesting to note. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so we're accurate. We're just saying Steve Buscemi character, accurate. <laughs> Are you saying? Are you saying smart people are arrogant, Ryan? <laughs> no, no, I'm just saying. I'm just saying that, like, like every I, I have no, I have yet to, I, I wouldn't know I had met a genius unless they had told me that they were geniuses. Like that's all I'm saying. Is it the veganism of intelligence? <laughs> yeah, it could very well could be. All they could do is talk about their genius. Okay, now I have to say, like, even though our initial launch didn't really get me, once we land on this asteroid. Like, at this point, because we're already, what, an hour 45, probably, into this movie? You're hour 30? Like, like, you are goddamn pot committed at this point, whether you want to be or not. And, and I think there is a reason beyond just the mere Stockholm Syndrome for this. <laughs> <laughs> I think there is. I think there is, actually. Because I do enjoy this movie pretty much the whole time, as long as I'm tired enough yeah like yeah. i i i very much like watching this movie um this uh, to bring back the wages of fear analogy we now have the truck the we're on mm-hmm. the meteor now, yeah and yeah. you can't escape it no and it actually like, in a way that the movie completely fails despite charlton heston's best attempt <laughs> to tell us how horrible it would be if the world you don't ever feel like the world's gonna end until you get onto the meteor and now even with the amount of action and the detention that movies like this tend to have, you know, the the idea that you can't let a thought linger because it'll make too much of the audience uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. This principle existed back in 98. They understood mm-hmm. that they needed, they need Will Patton to say something okay. like, What are you doing with a gun in space? Mm-hmm. Best line in the movie, by yeah, the way. So- <laughs> um, they, they need that. Why drill when you can shoot? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> There's some, <laughs> There's, you, you always need that detention. The oh yeah, meteor. because the, the NASA guys start rebelling against the well because they have some problems with the drilling. Yes, so naturally there is in fact 
a, a contingency se- plan, a secondary protocol, a secondary <laughs> protocol. Yes. Before we hit the beautiful Se- secondary okay, protocol, yes. though, um, it we can't, we literally can't escape the meteor. They're stuck there. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Um, and that gives it gives it a genuine tension. We actually can't escape what's coming now. Yeah. Well, yeah. We the 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 cool thing that is that we. It, if we fail, we die anyway. Yeah. Right. So it's like you might even if even if we think that we're past the point where we could fail, we should succeed while failing. You know, like it's very it's yeah. like yeah, like the fatalism is very you know well well put within this. I mean, in the larger metaphor of life, I could definitely understand that we are in fact all on a giant iron part of an ast- of an asteroid hurtling towards Earth at twenty two thousand miles per hour. In a truck full of nitroglycerin. Exactly, in a truck full yeah. of nitroglycerin. It's very apt, very apt. Oh, yeah. That's a subtle uh, choice by uh, Mr. Abrams and Mr. Bay to... Do you infect- think they were directly influenced by Wages of Fear? I, I fucking doubt it. But, uh, yeah, that yeah. seems unlikely. <laughs> <laughs> like, what, fucking movie? Despite the uncanny similarities <laughs> yes. between these movies. Well, was, oh, God damn it. I know we haven't gotten to that because there was some some direct Kubrick references here coming up. Oh, Really? Oh yeah. Okay, I, I can believe Bay has seen Kubrick. Whether he took the right messages away, we don't know. But okay. there's, I guess, actually no, we do. We know whether or not he took the right messages. All right. Um, we do. But in any case, um, we're now on the rock. We cannot escape it, and that gives. And every- yeah, we've only got we've only got the Bruce Willis team because the AJ team we did have, not land well. And mm-hmm. now we run into the problem where. And this happens with everything involving math, and it's why. And this is the actual like occupational hazards. Yeah, it's it, yeah. and that's the problem. It, they have nothing. They have nothing else to go on except for the occupational hazards now, because um, they need to drill the eight hundred feet. Apparently, because you can't get a nuke to just blow up eight hundred feet worth of the rock. But anyway, yeah, there's some yeah. um, not seven ninety. Yeah. Well, then what are we watching this whole it's, movie for? It's, it's, exactly. <laughs> exactly. I'm, I'm, I'm okay. I'm okay. They explain this. The yeah. smartest guy in the world who I probably ought to pay attention to told us this is how it's got to be. Self-proclaimed smartest guy in the No, Billy Bob Thornton says it for him. Oh, okay. Very okay. nice. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, this he genius, proclaimed it afterwards, yes. though. This genius deferred. Oh, very nice. <laughs> All right. I, that is a phenomenon I've yet to encounter. <laughs> <laughs> when it comes to geniuses in Orlando, Florida. We but def- he, he does insult everyone else's non-genius. J.J. Yeah. Abrams told Billy Bob Thornton to say that this man was a genius. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> um, so this is, it's where we're at. But the problem is 800 feet is really just not that exciting. Mm-mm. Like that's not, that's not a, a thing that you can convey visually. They could have conveyed it visually, but... Any way that they did it would have involved like weird NASA computers, which they they don't do all that often. There aren't a whole lot of telemetrics going no. on. Well, and it's just so interesting that the the place they were supposed to drill was 800 feet, and apparently 800 feet is just like a universal depth for all places on the fucking asteroid. <laughs> like they're off by 22 miles, 800 feet. Fuck it, you know. Like oh, let's do some math. No, it's 800 feet. A contract's a contract. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, they signed up to drill 800 feet. I will make 800 feet. I swear to God, I will. As, As they, they should. Yeah. yeah. As whether, they've committed to. Whether the situation warrants it or not, <laughs> 800 feet is what we're drilling. And and the problem is that, again, there's just only so many ways that you can stylize the math here. Because we're just taking AJ or Max's word for it, to mm-hmm. use the wrong, to use the aliases. I actually remembered both those names for some reason. Um... We're just taking their word for it that they're getting down to that depth 
and there's just not that much to go on. So we have to invent a couple of problems, uh, like Colonel Sharp, for example. And the secondary protocol. And the secondary protocol. Yeah. So Keith David, who, I mean, begrudging as a general should be, but has been on our side up to this point, has an aneurysm at this point, <laughs> and um, decides that when the drilling's not going as well as it should be, uh, clearly not the dad Bruce Willis is, doesn't understand that these things take time, mm -hmm. that he's going to make it, just trust him, doesn't trust him, trust the president instead, who's like fucking... Well, it, it, should be, it should be said that they had like seven, eight hours when they got there to do this. Yeah. We're only six hours remaining. And they're like, nuke it! Chill the fuck out! I told you, nuke. <laughs> when in doubt. Nuke it. Nuke it. God almighty. Just remember, and the when in doubt. The president watched Battlestar Galactica, apparently. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and just, you know, nuke despite... It. Despite and granted, there's there's some evidence maybe that uh, the smartest guy in the world may have slighted the president's advisor. Who or maybe a, they'll miss their their timeline and it won't get blown up fast enough. In a bout of petty frustration, has decided to doom the entire world. But didn't they establish that just g generically nuking it wasn't going to work anyways? That's yeah, why they, they have a team of yahoos up there drilling <laughs> yeah, the damn no. thing. Exactly. But <laughs> so it seems it seems uh. All I don't know. It, yeah, it's, yeah, it's a little sketch. And yeah. again, it's it seems to be a grudge on the part of the president's advisor <laughs> against the British guy mm -hmm. uh, to end the world. So, but this now happens. Um, they turn the nuke on. Yes, and it gets turned on. There's a little bit of oscillation here, but the secondary protocol is basically just turn the nuke on and blow it up remotely, uh, mm -hmm. which you'd think the people on the rock could do. Well, there is the but, one the one guy that's the NASA guy, uh, you know, driving things is like, you know, he's in on this and yeah. trying to trying to work it. But mm -hmm. Colonel Sharp's a double agent. Yeah. Oh. With some uh, compact firearm at his disposal. Well, it was in the safe for the secondary perfectly protocol. Perfectly placed in the safe yeah. as well, you know. Yeah. No holster, <laughs> no nothing. Just open yeah, it's it like up, if we do gun. the same, yeah, go <laughs> right just shoot everybody that doesn't disagree that disagrees right in with the middle. you. Yeah. Uh, in fact, I think each bullet in there had someone's name on it actually, you know. That, uh, the, almost certainly. Okay, excellent. Yeah. NASA always <laughs> we double up on <laughs> we double everything. Up on everything. <laughs> and double up on firearms. But the, um, so that's, you know, there's a tense moment and Bruce Willis, uh, dad's, yeah, dad's Colonel like, Sharp yeah, fuck into, this, you're not going to fuck up my job. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm going to save the world, damn it. You are not going to interfere with this. Why are you listening to someone that's 100,000 miles away? We're here. Nobody down there can help us. That's correct. And some impassioned Liv Tyler moment, I think. Yeah, and then at this point, oh, there's like, plenty. There, those are sprinkled throughout this. Yeah, oh, she's, yeah, she's for some reason in Command Central. Just well, because everyone she knows up. is up in space. Bruce yeah. Willis vouched for. Her. Gotcha. Yeah. yeah. Well, apparently they need some some eye candy. Apparently, I guess as well. Maybe you shouldn't be here. I don't have anywhere else to go. I know. Well, gotta remember what they're fighting for. You know what I mean? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Good. And, you know, but Strip. anyways, you know, the NASA <laughs> guys kind of like. Uh, you know, derail the secondary protocol a little bit to let our roughnecks continue oh, it gets, their it job. It gets resolved. Billy you know, Bob Thornton and Bruce Willis will they'll will make prevail. It. Yes. You know, Steve Buscemi is getting more and more hilarious by the minute because evidently he's getting the space craziness. Space dementia. Yeah, he's getting diagnosed the space by Colonel Sharp yes. himself. Yeah. Apparently. Um, so this is this is actually the Kubrick thing. There's a fun thing because now that they have this bomb pulled out because the secondary protocol was they were just going to launch it remotely anyways. But yes. then, you know, we get it. 
Steve Buscemi in his space dementia mm-hmm. gets on top of it and does a little slim pickings. Yeah, a little scene, slim pickings, right? Yeah. Right you know, mic. and then uh, Cordo Sharp clearly didn't get the reference, and Steve Buscemi seemed really disappointed with that. Mm-hmm. I didn't see that one, huh? I mean, <laughs> Colonel Sharp is a humorless soldier, so yeah. that's Absolutely. just how that works. There's a but lot he of still those. should have seen um, Doctor Strange Love. No, all, all all veterans hate hate Doctor Strange Love and Mash. Really? Oh yeah! Oh yeah! Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. Uh, War's nothing to joke about. <sighs> you know. Fair. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Um. But uh, that that all happens, and I mean, uh, they start blowing up Paris randomly while the yeah, drilling is going Paris, on. This is where Paris explodes, yeah. just to make which because we hadn't had like a like a Earth explosion in a, in some time. And so we didn't. We and needed it, to build the tension on Earth. But that's so. That's what's so weird, and it's the reason why that scene in particular makes me think that Bay just has a grudge against. The French people, pre pre nine eleven grudge against French people, mind yeah. you. Oh yeah, um, uh, dude. Americans have had a grudge against French people since World War Two. Since we, we saved s- their yeah. fucking asses. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> since Bruce Willis single handedly yeah. stormed the beach in Normandy. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Or no, sorry, Tom Hanks. Yeah. The um, but anyway, the this this scene doesn't need to be here. This one. Again, it's not a tactical error. It's a strategic error. Mm-hmm. Uh, the blowing up of Paris is very dramatic and has a lot of ripply explosions, and I'm sure it costs $15 million. Um, but it wasn't necessary because we're already on the rock, and we're all getting space dementia with Steve Buscemi. Mm-hmm. And every time they pull back to the Earth, it loses some of that, even if it's trying to like show no, what the result is, is going to be. No, because this is where all our tension, our intention and stuff is on the rock. Like, that's where... That's where the excitement it's, of this last half is being generated. It's yeah. not being generated by watching, you know, a rock fall in Shanghai. Like, it, nobody cares. It's the helplessness of being stuck in a foreign place. And mm-hmm. it's what's weird about the scene is that the Paris thing is, like, relief. Yes. Yeah. Like, that's... No, because the rock tension is is It's high. Yeah. Like, it actually... It actually makes it like hard to watch as it goes on that they're that they're trapped where they yeah, are. Yeah, there's mm-hmm. like debris and fucking shit. People serious are fighting. Claustrophobia. Yeah. Um. And then you know they uh, they drill at 800 feet, and that's the end. Well, of well, we forgot. We forgot. You know, AJ, whose ship was way off oh, course yeah, and right. crashed. You know, he manages to get in his little rover thing and find them right in the nick of time. Right in the nick of time. There's the great sequence with uh. With our cosmonaut, where he shows us how you fix things in Russia. Yeah, because they got they they okay. So they <laughs> drop the bomb down, right? But then, the, like, the, of course, something's gone wrong. They can't remote detonate. Yeah, your classic fucking problem with bombs, right? So someone's got to stay behind. They draw lots, yeah. right, to like yeah. see who's gonna stay behind with this thing. And AJ draws the lot. Oh, poor oh, AJ. Poor Ben Affleck. Uh, so they also like Bruce Willis is like, I'm gonna escort you down, right? Yeah. Uh, escorts him down, uh, which is actually kind of a badass move, you know, like yeah. while they're in space with the little suits on, pulls his air tube as he's getting off, shoves him back in the in little the elevator, clock, yeah, the elevator yeah. and then goes back and he's like, no, I'm doing this, you know, never leave a man behind. I'm going to take this. I'm going to take the hit for the team. Go take care of Tyler. Yeah. Take care of my daughter. I'm happy she's with you. Reconcile, reconcile, you know, with the, you know, fact that, you know, Ben Affleck's going to have some survival's guilt, you know, like this is something that's going to happen. I think Bruce Willis always gets the job done. Yeah. And all, who's you know. going to die on Bruce Willis's watch? Exactly. Bruce Willis. Yeah. Yes, that's who's going to die. Only on Someone's going to die. It's only on his own accord. Yeah, it's going to be. He chooses this, though. This yeah. is what's so yeah. powerful about this, right? Yeah. And his power even over his own death. 
I'm glad that you can appreciate Bay's reverence for <laughs> for these for these themes, Ryan. Uh, I like that you're coming around all. No, this. no. I mean, look, it's 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 powerful stuff. Man. <laughs> powerful stuff. I never saw it coming. I was like, this is shocking. Like, I am surprised by this. Um, you know, then they're trying to get off the rock before they blow it up. We got the Russian guy hitting things randomly with wrenches until they start working. Well, there was a woman who was going to try to do something yeah, in the, the movie. She had the chart. She yeah, had the fucking the protocol chart. Prepared. Yeah, the yeah. protocol chart. Like, Please move! This is how we fix problem in the Russian space station. Because I don't want to stay here. Qualified. No, again, it was it was a woman who was about to do something in the movie. Yeah, and a strong man needed to come in and fix that problem, um, and then fix the problem, which both happen in just a perfectly uh, economical, elegant oh, yeah. fashion with a wrench, the way it should be done yes. in Russia. Um, second. Second dad of the movie, uh, <laughs> Colonel Lev, whatever the hell the rest of his name is. Um, so they all land back on Earth. That would have been a weird twist if that shuttle did not make it. Yes. Yeah, that would have been bittersweet. But you can't, you can't have something like oh, that. Oh, it's bittersweet because, anyway. But mm-hmm. this is, this is, this is a movie. This is a movie about America propaganda when it was fucking awesome. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So. You know, when it meant something, yes, yeah, so gotta have, if you will, when it was great. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly it. what I put basically <laughs> on my notes. No, that's also cool too. Is that there's like no nod to like the world market here. You know, yeah. like we're blowing up Shanghai, we're blowing up fucking Paris. You know, no fucking niceties to the Asians at all. Like fuck it, right? This America, American movie for Americans that the rest of the world will have to like. I mean, hey, it's, it's New York up, up first, yeah. all right? All right, look, but it's it's so hard to, like, remember a time before the invasion of Iraq when we were respected in the world, you know? And it's like, God damn it. 9-11 ruined everything. No, it, oh, fucay, anyway, yeah. <clears throat> no so let, let's move on here. We got <laughs> Again, some... cultural, cultural history. We need a separate podcast. Well, no, but, I mean, it's just funny that it's like, you know, when we talk about we, we want to make America great again, I can't not but imagine the movie Armageddon in, in, in this fucking thing. Like, and why shouldn't we? Exactly. We got we we to make America the 90s again. Yeah, make America the 90s again. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> So, okay, so I wanted to say, so by the time when they land and stuff, I, the waterworks did finally work because that whole asteroid sequence, like I said, you are pot committed by then. And even I. We got know, it. it. America. It, it got me. It, it got, got America. me in the end. It was tearing up. Then the Aerosmith comes in. Mm-hmm. As Joey is fond of referring to, because this is just the kind of thing he talks about, and I'll steal it from him. Um, the Russians are indeed back in World War II on how to defeat German tanks because it turned out the Germans were pretty good at building tanks. Mm -hmm. Um, They couldn't figure out how to get, I want to say it was the Tiger, so let's just go with the Tiger tank. Mm -hmm. They couldn't figure out how to knock its armor off or how to deal with it Um, because unless you could get like directly, unless you could get some really accurate shots, what they figured out is that the welds come out faster than the armor does. So Mm -hmm. all you do is you shoot and you shoot, yeah. and you shoot <laughs> until the armor just collapses. <laughs> so Armageddon has two and a half hours yes. of tank <laughs> rounds just hitting oh, the yeah. front plate. Because it doesn't have the guile to go around. It can't flank. They don't know how to do that. Yeah, no intricate maneuvers. Abrams, Bay, Bruckheimer, they don't they don't address the side. Yeah. They don't go Neither for the back. Neither does Willis. Yeah. yeah, no, they're, they're all direct confrontations. Yeah. 
If they shoot enough times, <laughs> they get it out of you. Mm-hmm. And that's and, why they, and need, they did. And that's why they need two and a half hours. And, yes. and so what was so brilliant. So, you know, cause now that we've been doing these theme things, I put a couple themes in a hat and we drew and, um, this movie actually crosses over so brilliantly to our next theme, because even though this was David's guilty pleasure, oh, our next God. theme is going to be criterion. And yes. this, this fine movie is up there with the catalog of the most pretentious movies ever made. Oh, and as I think it, it should be. And Jesus it should be. Christ. Okay. <laughs> it should be. Oh. I mean, is it world cinema? No. Does it have a powerful message? Of course, because America's <laughs> great. Is it pretentious? Absolutely. America oh. saves the world again. Oh my God. You know, so I usually write notes as I kind of as we go through these films, all right? So like my, my Armageddon notes are Armageddon. Bruce Willis, Ben Affleck with an arrow pointing to Liv Tyler. Aerosmith, 800 feet, nuke it. That's about it. That's my notes it's, for it's, I mean, it's, it's sufficient. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. No, so I think that Did you write nuke it last? That was like, yeah, nuke it, yeah. No, I yeah see, so you were also so enraptured you couldn't think of anything yeah, else to backwards. <laughs> yeah, right? That, fucking hell. So, like, the whole thing. So... I think the real mistake, David, was doing a podcast on this film. Because as I started off initially feeling rather positive about my experience over the weekend and re-watching this film, unfortunately, this, this last... It's been four hours since we've been talking about this film, right? It's, okay, it feels like a long... Unfortunately, it's left me with time to contemplate this film. Ryan, are you hydrated? I, I, I feel... I, look, I am on the last legs of my existence right now. I'm, I, am, I am one Aerosmith's <laughs> song... <laughs> Away from breaking down right now, and it's uh, this movie's got issues, like fucking serious, serious issues. But just ignore all of that. Okay, I look. I I will have to really try to do that because, like, I like look, like. <laughs> I mean. No one's making you watch it, Ron. No, no you will, yes, except look, me. Yeah, no. The solidarity of the fucking podcast is what we had to get into here. And look, it is hard to put a finger on why this movie feels like a, you know, someone on like mescaline put together a bunch of fucking music videos and strung them together with explosions. Mescaline's like, way too chill for this. Uh, all right, so some methamphetamines with PCP. Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah, like this thing has like. I mean, I've never seen a film that seemed like it was on steroids before. And yet, I think this film is absolutely the case. Like, it is something that is so... I mean, I, normally you'd think that a film that continually wanted to push the envelope, right? To continually wanted to say, like, how could we make this more interesting? How could we make this move faster? How could we make this be funner? And I got to say, though, that, like, while I think there are parts of this movie that are fun... And I perfectly am willing to kind of like, you know, remove like the whole like evolved part of my life and reality, you know, and like fucking try to like enjoy some like base stimulation. Like I want this movie to do it. And I just for me, guys, I got this movie just doesn't do it for me. I don't know what it is like. So, I mean, look, this is nothing to do with like the components of this film. Right. I love the Die Hard movies. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not a snob, and I I like Bruce Willis. All right, walk that back a little bit. No, okay, I'm a snob, and I like <laughs> Bruce Willis movies. But like, you know, I've, I'm, I'm just struck by how difficult I found it to like and enjoy this movie. Like, um, 
I don't, I mean, can you guys help me out here? I mean, like, how am I wrong here? I'm trying to come up with a couple of analogies to work here. Do you like Guardians of the Galaxy? I did. I liked, I enjoyed that film a little bit. What's the difference? So the thing, like. Because I think those are almost exactly the same with slightly less gravity in Guardians of the Galaxy, but honestly, not much. There's a lot of destruction going on in Guardians of the Galaxy that they're very flippant about. I was going to say that, or is it the opposite, where, like, you actually do, like, space program stuff, and this kind of spits in the face of, of real science? Well, I'm, I mean... The th- <laughs> With explosions. I mean, it's, 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 so much, it's so much. I mean, like, this is the thing, is that, like, this is, like, you know, too much of a good thing can be bad, and I think this is the case. Like, this is no Independence Day. And I liked Inde- I like Independence See, Day. See, I would say I would rather watch this than Independence Day. Me too. No, I I, I think that I think Independence Day has I think it's a better film. You do? Yeah, I do. I think that this thing I think that Independence Day has much better emotional arc. I think it has fucking I'm sorry nothing brings me to tears in Independence Day. Oh come on. Oh come okay, anyway, look, like 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 I said, this movie just is just beating you down. Like I just I just got date raped by Armageddon on this weekend and you guys are like, you it know, happens. Like, just fucking enjoy the experience, you know? Like <laughs> just smile it and just move on with your life. And I fucking can't. This has affected me. This has like wounded me psychically, and I have to like spend time recovering, recuperating, healing from this experience. And you guys are just I thought I thought Iowa had some grit to my personality, but you guys apparently just like outscale me in the toughness of your psyche. Apparently, because this, I was barely drunk when we watched this. Saturday gotcha. Night. Okay. Yeah. No, I wasn't. I wasn't that. Inebriated. I will make no such apology. <laughs> <laughs> I happen to like. I, I think a lot of this goes into not to throw this into another rabbit hole, but uh, there was a lot of there was a lot of debates going on. Mm-hmm. Televised debates going on through the aughts yeah. surrounding new atheism. Right. I don't know that the you know the the four horsemen of the counter apocalypse. No, I, I, I know. I know. The well, I was just yeah. for the two listeners here who haven't heard of them. You know, Dan Dennett, Richard Dawkins, Christopher Hitchens, Sam Harris. There was there was a lot. Uh, you know, the the public scrutiny around that is understandable because talking about religion is going to pull that out of anyone, and it created a hell of a lot of toxic it was a lot of shittiness going on about atheism being very reductive in its conclusions and and armageddon is like that shittiness Mm -hmm. that way where it's taking something that is very serious and important and potentially nuanced talking about ideas of the culmination of what NASA represents or what America thinks it is. And there's, you know, there's well, a version of Armageddon where you could have rewritten the dialogue and this movie could have been really poignant. Yeah, well, and here's the thing. This is still a potential threat to our existence. Like the fact that we we could get hit by a fucking asteroid that, and not that, be able to do anything about it because totally we're possible. defunding NASA. But, yeah. but the, and um, not monitoring but, enough space. But to close, to close, the, to close the tangent real quick, uh, the thing that I didn't watch those debates to be part of the argument. I watched those debates because Hitchens and Harris and Dawkins and to a lesser extent Dennett are tremendous orators. Yeah. I loved watching them talk because they understand how to formulate ideas from end to end, even if occasionally they're either facetious or they're a little reductive or occasionally they're just insane. 
Um, but they know how to do it. Right. And I, I just admire that execution. Mm -hmm. And that is what I like in Armageddon. Okay. I love it. You had mentioned, I'm keep forgetting the guy's name, Will Patton. Mm -hmm. Every time he's on scene, every time he's on camera, it's very hammy. Mm -hmm. It's just him doing a complex ish, but just stark emotion. And regardless of how stupid some of the context behind those scenes are, I love watching him do it. Yeah. Um, and that is enough to justify watching the movie to me. Yeah, absolutely. I can divorce it from the fact that it's strategic, as I keep hedging by saying it's tactically good, it is strategically terrible. Mm -hmm. um, but I'm okay. I, I'm okay with that. Yeah. I perf I, I'm okay looking at the message separated from the ad hominem of the people in question. Well, but the thing too is that, like, it's one thing to make a film that we're just, you know, like poignancy, emotionally relatable. Like, yeah, I can understand you. Like, like when looking at your at your story and saying this is really going to get in the way of, of a good time, you know. But like, I can understand getting rid of some of those moments in order to have a good time. But a film that like seemingly consciously does away with every potential setup and only gives because like, so I talk about Independence Day, right? Mm -hmm. Like. Fucking where where in this film is a moment like when Will Smith punches that fucking alien for the first time and gives him the welcome to Earth? Like, where is the Randy Quaid uh going into the fucking death beam, hello boys, I'm back moment? Like, we get nothing that like resonates that fucking joyously in the like wanton destruction that this film has put before us. Like, I mean, the one great- Are you saying that there's no yippee Kaye motherfucker exactly. moment like, in this? this? Is, like, I've got to be frank with you that like, there is a lack of the fucking pure enjoyment. And the thing is, is that like, I recognize that this is a fucking fun movie. I really do. But like, it's just not there for me in the way that those other moments that it, it doesn't allow those moments to kind of build for me to where when I see Will Patton like embracing his family at the end it's the most it's the most hollow vapid like it, it just it's there because it, it it was like whatever like does this make sense fuck you it doesn't supposed to make sense cry you bitch it's been two and a half hours and this, I don't like there's no smirking it, well, yes, the inner humor behind the thing is fucking lost, which is, by the way, is exactly how this isn't like fucking Guardians of the Galaxy. No, that's this, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, I this think that's lacks the, the self awareness of it in any sort of way. I mean, um, it's it. This movie's psychopathic, man. Like it is fucking <laughs> nuts. What the kind of movie this is, and I just no, I, I get that. Uh, that makes sense. That yeah. that is the contrast. Is that one of these? has a knowing glance on and the other doesn't but it but then to like deny any sort of like ability to build it like the film like once again i think the way we I, way i described it earlier which is that there is no time for a moment to land in this film like we are fucking just it, it is moving us forward whipping us forward whipping us forward and it is simply not fucking enjoyable to me. I gotta be frank with you, like, if I hadn't watched this with you guys cracking jokes, I'd have been fucking really pissed off and angry and left early. Like, it is, like, really hard to, like, get through this film because it's an assault, and I don't... I can't fucking get there with it. It's not greater than the sum of its parts, and the same way that I felt about Firefly, I feel about this film that while I fucking enjoy some of the elements in it, it doesn't lift above what the final fucking result is for me. And I can't, I can't 
its defects are so glaring and so important that it, it infects the times when I want to forget them and enjoy it. And I, I, I can't do that. It doesn't allow me to forget them. And that's the problem here. Because I don't think like we're in, in it for the same things with the filmmakers. Oh, no, certainly not. Yeah, no. Like, I, th- I could see that, like, you I, know. I, I didn't make it to make $500 million. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, people like this film, and, like, people would go to see it, and it is spectacle. It's a popcorn movie. And it's fucking essence. Man, oh, man. This is, like, a popular film, though, right? This is, like, top grossing of the year. Like, oh, yeah. was, like, one of the, all, of yeah. the It year. was not well-received. It has, like, a 34% Rotten Tomato rating. That's appropriate. I think it. I think it was upset it got that high. Like this, this is like the thing. Like I don't like this film is mismade with such a conscious abandon of every fucking notion of what a, how a story should be set up. Like this is what's kind of weird about it is that like the fact that like critics li- like thirty four percent of critics like this film like that's fucking shot like or um, found it acceptable. Yeah. Or yeah. Thirty four percent of film critics are dads. Yeah. Oh, that's true. Okay. Yeah. Who might be balding in their mid forties and who love America? I mean, what's wrong with that, right? Not a goddamn thing. Okay. Good. So, so what? You don't want to turn us into the French, do you? Ryan? <laughs> I guess. Uh, yeah. Those uh, those poor cultured bastards. How do they? How do they do it? So, Ryan, we're talking a lot about these general strategic failures of this movie mm-hmm. and how it doesn't tell a story worth telling. Do you have an example of a Criterion Collection movie that maybe does? Okay, so I have, like, because this film has inspired such a fucking poignant rage with inside me, I feel that I have to really pick something that represents what um, virtually the exact opposite of this fucking film is right now. So I don't know what I'm picking yet, unfortunately. I have to kind of what? weigh the options. Um, I don't know if we're going to pick a Japanese film by a guy named uh, Akira Kurosawa, who all you anime people should just like exalt, you know, create an altar in your fucking rooms for mm-hmm. and just like pray to that uh, because like he admit essentially uh, beats out any anime you could ever fucking watch in your life. Um, so we might pick something nerds. like that too. Yeah, nerds. I might pick something like that. Um uh, I might do something because Nicole might do a, a world flick as well. I might do something classic Hollywood to like show you what like, you know, a good story seems like. Um, so I don't know what I'm picking yet, to be honest with you. But <laughs> the fact is, is that the fact that what I pick will share some sort of relation to this fucking colossal fire on top of a dumpster fire of a film is. Well, it's Star Wars. Uh, but it had an awesome explosion at <laughs> yeah. the end. That was a good explosion, too. <laughs> All right. No. Okay. But maybe we'll get off of this. All right. What are your favorite moments from this film? Let's do like a round table here from Armageddon. Maybe to wrap this up. Like, what are your favorite? Because I've got my favorite moment here, and I want to see how this does with you guys. Uh, what are your favorite moments on this film? Russian space station approved gun in space. Okay. The, the reveal of the secondary protocol. Yeah, Steve Buscemi with space dementia. Okay, so that's actually my favorite moment of this film as well. <laughs> and I've got to say that there is a problem in your film when the, the most relatable, identifiable character in this film is the one who's gone through the experiences you've just gone through and ends up with fucking space dementia. How is this different than Tombstone then? Because we all like Val Kilmer, and that that was what we liked, right, about the movie? We just like snarky, smart, sick people. Yes, absolutely. Okay. Uh, if there's one theme going yeah. through this thing, I think we've all I found it as well with our guilty pleasures. I don't know if that says anything about the, the films or says something more about us as individuals. The latter. As a, okay, good, yeah. But, like, let's not... Without question. Yeah, if Armageddon has taught me anything, is that reflection in life maybe has some, you know, like, not benefits. For example, no one's ever given me $180 million to make a film about a giant asteroid. Uh, and um, maybe I could take a lesson from old uh, Michael Bay. No. 
No, okay, okay. Just, I was just pop, pop, maybe positive <laughs> that idea out there. Um, but anyway, guys, this has been tolerable. <laughs> like, amazingly tolerable. What do you say, Nicole, out of one stars? Um, I, I'll be honest with you. I have seen this movie a handful of times. I don't know that I'm necessarily going to continue to rewatch it in the future, but I have rewatched it, so one star. David, Ryan. David, I will watch this film anytime you want me to watch this film. Well, that's very accommodating of you. Uh, and I'll probably watch this film again like when I get years? around to Serenity. Okay. Nice. So, yeah, when we do the reunion tour and just go back through all the movies, <laughs> I'll watch it then. <laughs> but again, I won't turn it off. All right. I won't turn it off. One star. All right. Ryan, you look like you're stewing. No, this, yeah, this has affected me. I'll be honest with you. This is a, this is, this is a human experience I've just had here. <sighs> man, oh man. My face hurts. Well, Nicole. David. Ryan. Oh, it's over. Thanks for being part of the Machination Log. Good morning, everyone.